Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Today's episode of The Serial Dynasty is sponsored by Sean T. Fitness. This week at SeanTFitness.com, Sean is excited to announce his new dance program, Size, is available. Size is a dance-slash-fitness program that is designed to teach you how to dance and to live in those eights. As you know, Sean was a professional backup dancer for Mariah Carey, and now he's bringing the world of dance right into your living room. Go to SeanTFitness.com slash size to size it up. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Serial Dynasty. First off, I want to thank all of you for downloading this episode, and I want to give a heartfelt thanks to all of you who showed so much support after last week's debate with Ann Brocklehurst. I believe in the last week I've set a record for the number of emails and tweets that I've received from you listeners, and I just want to tell all of you from the bottom of my heart how much I appreciate your support. And I also want to thank Anne one more time for agreeing to come on the show and participate. While her and I disagreed on nearly every point of the conversation, I think that it was a good medium to put the facts of the case out there for people to interpret on both sides. Anne and I were able to accomplish getting both sides of the case out in a format that, as far as I know, has never been done before. So last week's episode caused quite a stir. Twitter, Facebook, Reddit have all been blowing up since the interview. I spent a lot of time in the last week reading through hundreds if not thousands of these comments, not only looking to see what people thought about the episode, but also to see if there was any more new information drawn out of these conversations, and furthermore, to help me in making my decision about where we go from here. I've dug deeper into this case in the last two weeks than I ever thought that I would. I read through all those Reddit threads, I looked at all the theories, I looked at all the arguments. I poured through transcripts and source documents, all in an effort to try to figure out what it is that I might be missing. What I've determined after looking at all these angles is that Adnan Syed is innocent. Let me repeat that one more time. Adnan Syed is innocent. I didn't say not guilty. If we're looking at this from a legal sense, if he was to be tried again with all of this evidence revealed, he would certainly be found not guilty by a jury of his peers. But that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying he's innocent. And I want to speak for just a moment to the naysayers that claim that they don't listen to my podcasts, yet spend hours and hours on Reddit discussing it. So for those of you that aren't listening right now, I'm inviting you to stop. If you're looking for a show that is unbiased by your definition of the word, this isn't the show for you. Your efforts will be much better spent hiding behind a username on Reddit and proclaiming to all of your buddies on the sub that you know it all. Have your fun. 
make your cases. But I will not waste one more minute of my time reading through 150 arguments to find the piece of information that's actually relevant to the case, only to find out that it's just the same old tired argument. He was already convicted, so he's guilty. He asked for a ride, or lied about asking for a ride. He wrote I'm going to kill on a letter. Susan Simpson doesn't understand cell phone pings. I'll not be returning to this sub. It's proven to be nothing more than a waste of time. For those of you that believe that Reddit is the only true place to have an intelligent conversation, you have your audience, and I have mine. And it's time we part company. For the rest of you that seem to care what my opinion is on this, I'll let you know how I got to the place that I'm in today. It occurred to me when reading all these transcripts, and reading all these police files, and reading the witness statements, speaking to witnesses, that the entire case against Adnan disappears if you remove Jay Wilde's testimony from the narrative. Without Jay's testimony, there's nothing. There already was no physical evidence. There already were no eyewitnesses. You can search to the end of the earth for evidence that Adnan committed this crime. And all you'll find are circumstantial things that may make you wonder. And without Jay's testimony, that's all there is. Every one of Anne's points presented on last week's episode can be applied to almost every one of you listening right now. These are things that you've experienced yourself, or that you've been witness to, or have helped friends deal with, bad breakups, lending your car, passing notes in school. Every one of these items is commonplace. They're things that happen every day, and they all mean nothing without Jay's testimony. And I don't believe Jay's testimony. So for those of you that aren't listening right now, if you uncover some new piece of damning evidence that would show Adnan is guilty, and you want it discussed on the show, send it to me. Other than that, it's time we part company. For the rest of my listeners, a forewarning for you. The tone of the show is about to change. I'll no longer be digging through evidence trying to prove that Adnan is innocent. That's been accomplished. From here on out, our mission is one thing and one thing only. To find the truth. To solve this once and for all. Let's put our heads together and build an army behind us and figure out who killed Heyman Lee. Moving along, I want to discuss Undisclosed Episode 9, Charm City. I listened to the episode twice. The first time I listened, it was interesting, but I almost found myself disappointed as there was no new evidence in Adnan's case brought to light. But then I listened again. I listened closer. I engaged myself in what Robbie, Susan, and Colin were talking about. What was the purpose behind the episode? Then I realized that there was more information in this episode than there have been in any other episode that they've aired. The Undisclosed team has uncovered mountains and mountains of evidence, and it's helped us to begin to paint a picture of what really happened on January 13, 1999, and what really didn't happen. But Episode 9 was riddled with evidence. It was full of evidence that I hadn't considered before. The cases that were discussed in that episode were evidence, and they do help to paint a picture of what happened on that day. More accurately, they helped to paint a picture of what happened after that day. As the team went through case after case after case, highlighting the corruption in the Baltimore Police Department, things started to come together for me. 
everything started to make more sense. I started looking at the case from a different angle, an angle that I had considered in the past, but just for a brief moment and moved past it. Every one of the cases that they highlighted involved an innocent person going to prison for a crime they didn't commit. In every one of them involved coercing witness testimony, creating narratives out of thin air, hiding evidence, ignoring evidence, ignoring confessions, threatening witnesses to manipulate confessions out of them. Every one of these cases just made me sick. It's devastating to consider the fact that there are thousands and thousands of Adnans in prison right now. And many of those people are in prison because of the handiwork of the Baltimore Police Department. Even more disturbing was to find out that Detective Ritz and Detective McGillivary were right in the middle of many of these cases. This is not speculation. It's not an assumption. It's well documented what these two detectives have done to people. And then beyond the detectives, the prosecutors played right along with them. Brady violation after Brady violation after Brady violation. Not disclosing exculpatory evidence to the defense. What I've come to realize is the problem in Baltimore lies not with the detectives. While they're a big part of the problem, the crux of the problem lies far above them. This is a systematic problem. We have a city with one of the highest crime rates in the country one of the highest murder rates in the country, coupled with a corrupt political system that cares only about statistics, only about clearance rates, and more importantly, they care only about image. Get those numbers up so that we look like we're doing a better job than we're doing. That mentality in leadership flows downhill. The detectives know that they have to clear cases, or they'll be reprimanded, or demoted, or transferred. The prosecutors have to get convictions or they'll be removed from office. Our legal system that was supposed to be founded on justice has turned into nothing more than an assembly line. It's all about production. It's all about just getting results. Come hell or high water, right or wrong, we close cases and we get convictions. You see, the mayor of a city with over 300 homicides a year in a clearance rate under 50% will not be a mayor very long. So before we move along, I want to do two things. One, I want to applaud the undisclosed team for bringing these cases to light and giving us all a real look at what's really happening in Baltimore. And more specifically, what Ritz and McGillivary were doing during their tenure as detectives in the Baltimore Police Department. The scariest part about that episode was it made me realize that these were just a handful of cases. These were the few that were brought to our attention. These were the cases where they got caught. I bet my paycheck that they have done this hundreds of times that we don't know about. If you think about it, Ritz and McGillivary have been busted for these practices on a number of occasions, yet they kept doing it. You don't keep doing something that doesn't work. How many cases do you think there were where they didn't get caught? What you need to consider is the fact that it is really difficult, almost impossible, to prove that something didn't happen. Once you have one witness that's willing to say that you did something, disproving that becomes very, very difficult. And as a result of that, there are many people in Baltimore and in the rest of the country that are sitting behind bars for crimes that they didn't commit. I said there were two things that I wanted to do. And the second is this. Before I take a short break to talk about our sponsor, I want you to ask yourself this question. 
After listening to Undisclosed Charm City episode, do you now believe that it's possible that Detectives Ritz and McGillivary could have coerced a completely made-up testimony out of Jay Wilds? With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, now welcome back. Did you ask yourself that question? Did you ask yourself if you believe that it's possible that Jay's testimony was completely coerced? I asked myself that question. I asked it over and over and over again. I'm on record many times saying that I just don't believe the fact that Jay was uninvolved. I don't believe that this conspiracy went that deep. Well, I'll tell you all now that I'm prepared to eat a slice of that humble pie. After listening to Charm City, I poured back through the evidence. I poured back through the transcripts. My poor wife has spent every night this week with her husband sitting up in bed reading, searching, analyzing. As hard as it is for me to admit that I was wrong, I now not only believe that it was possible that Jay's testimony was coerced, I believe it is the most likely scenario. It's the only narrative that really fits all of the evidence in the case. So I want to close out the show today by explaining the narrative that I believe happened. I believe the detectives started their investigation with the usual suspects, the boyfriend and the ex-boyfriend. When you're faced with a murder case with zero physical evidence and zero witnesses, where else could you start? So they checked into Don and they checked into Adnan. They made a horse and pony show of an effort to look into Don. And by that I mean they looked at the notes that the Baltimore County Police had written earlier. And then they looked at Adnan. I think one statement got this ball rolling. The one statement they got that said that they had overheard Adnan asking Hay for a ride started them down the path of charging Adnan with this crime. Or maybe it was the Anihi group. To be honest, I don't know which one of those two came first as far as in their mind what made them decide to go after Adnan. But what I can tell you is the cultural memo provided them with a motive. The statement about the asked ride provided them with a method, and they never looked back. Just like in all of those other cases we heard about in Charm City, they were no longer interested in any other narrative. They had their theory on the case, and they were going to get it closed and mark this one off the list and move on to the next. They used that disgusting memo to convince themselves that this evil Muslim committed an honor killing on his ex-girlfriend. They started searching for evidence against Adnan, but there wasn't any. And really consider that fact. There was no evidence against him. They came across a few things here and there that would conflict with their theory on the case, so they quickly discarded those. They needed their clearance. 
they needed their theory on the case to be right. They pull cell phone records, but there's nothing there either, until they notice that there were two calls that, according to their understanding of the records, showed that they were made from the area of Leakin Park. This propels them forward. Since the cell phone records are all they have, they work through the call log. They see that Jen Pusateri was called multiple times on the day that Hay went missing. They speak with Jen. Jen tells them that Jay actually had the phone that day, so they speak with Jay. Now, I believe that they spoke with Jay on multiple occasions before this. It's possible it was regarding the case, but I think it's also possible that he was in some other trouble, that there were other things pending on him that we're not aware of in the records. I don't know, but it's something to consider. So they speak with Jen. They speak with Jay off the record. Jay and Jen speak, and at this point they've both been threatened with being charged with the murder. They get their plan together, and the police know that they can't just go directly to Jay. If Jen didn't tell them anything in that first interview, then how do they explain how they got to Jay? So they arrange the meeting with the lawyer the next day. They devise a plan, and then Jen goes on the record with this narrative of how Adnan killed Hay and Jay helped, and they've convinced her that she has to tell them that she helped dispose of shovels and she helped dispose of clothes because they needed another witness to corroborate Jay's story. But what Jen didn't realize is what they really needed was to have a serious charge held over her head. Now they had her hooked. She has to play ball. She's on the record telling them that she helped to cover up this crime. She's admitted to it on tape. Then comes the Jay interviews. They lean on Jay. I think they start with the same method. They threaten to charge him with the crime. They tell him if he doesn't cooperate, he's going down for murder. They hold other charges over his head. And then they let him know that it's really Adnan they're after. I think they told Jay that they had a mountain of evidence against Adnan, like they told everyone else. I think they told him that they know that he did it. That he just needs to help them get this conviction. But he's not doing anything wrong because they know he did it. They have the evidence. But that if he didn't help to convict Adnan, the only one left they have to convict is him. They already have Jen on the record saying that he was involved saying that he was the one with the phone. So I think eventually they broke Jay. He agrees to help them get their conviction, but they need insurance. So they manipulate Jay into confessing to accessory before the fact, essentially aiding and abetting the murder. This is no small thing. This is no minor drug charge. They convinced Jay to seal his fate with one word. Yeah. I'm sure you can remember hearing this clip where the detective asked Jay if he knew about the murder the night before. You can hear it in Jay's voice that he sounds confused. The detective is being very nice, very friendly to Jay. He says, but you knew about it before, right? And you can hear Jay faltering. You knew about it before. He he had told you before, right? And you hear that, what, um, yeah. And he follows it up with, you helped him, right, in the friendliest voice that he could come up with. And you helped him plan it, right? And Jay sealed his fate when he said, on tape, yeah, one word. One word that's resulted in a lifetime of misery for Adnan and Jay. I think that from that point forward, Ritz and McGillivary reminded Jay every step along the way that they have his taped confession to accessory before the fact of first-degree murder. Every time they come to him with a new story, with a new narrative, they remind him again, you will change your story to this, or you're going to prison. 
I think that Jay continued to be forced to help the police, every step of the way getting deeper and deeper into this and making it more and more difficult to get out of it. Now, all of you may be very surprised to hear me say this, but I'm speaking from my heart. I actually feel terrible for Jay. Yes, I'll agree it was a horrible thing that he did to Adnan. But at the same time, I can think of myself as a 19-year-old kid being put into the position by the police, the people you're supposed to trust, and being backed into a corner where you're faced with a life sentence yourself and having those cops tell you that they already know that he did it, that they have all of this evidence. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. There has to be a part of you that believes them. Inside, you have to feel like you're doing, in some way, the right thing in helping them convict this person that they have this evidence against. And what Jay may have not realized at the time was that while the detectives were presenting themselves as though they were saving his life, in fact, they were taking Jay's life away. You see, they didn't just make him put his friend in prison. That's bad enough. They used their mistakes, their misreading of evidence, their misreading of the cell phone data, their lack of evidence, they used these things and made Jay take the fall for it. Think about this. If I'm right, and Jay really didn't have anything to do with this, and literally doesn't know what happened, and he was bullied and manipulated into this position, then his life really was ruined by this. Every time the detectives made these mistakes, they blamed it on Jay. Jay's a liar. Jay can't keep his story straight. See, that's part of the reason why I think this is what happened. Jay's not a dumb guy. I kind of always thought he was, like most of you, after listening to this case. Jay lies. Jay's an idiot who can't keep his story straight. And that's the picture that the detectives and the prosecutor were painting of him. They fucked up, so they made him change his story to fix it, and then claim that he changed it because he's an idiot. And he's a liar. Well, I'm sorry, but there is nobody that is that stupid. There's no way that Jay changed his testimony that many times. There's no way that Jay thought the trunk pop happened on Edmondson Avenue and then later remembers it was at Best Buy. There's no way that Jay decides to confess because he knows that Anon actually committed this crime, but then decides to change the major detail of where the trunk pop happened and when it happened. I believe that Jay's a smart enough guy that it killed him to even be forced to say things like I didn't tell you it was at Best Buy because I thought there might be cameras there and I didn't want to be further involved. That whole statement is nonsensical. If there were cameras at Best Buy, then all that would have done was prove to the police that he was there. But he had already told the police that he was involved. And the more I look at it, the more that it pisses me off. 
because they didn't just make him change the story to fit the evidence. The reason that it's nonsensical is because there wasn't a sensical way to make the change. So the plan was, blame it on Jay. Make Jay look like an idiot. Make Jay sound like the dumbass that can't keep his story straight. And who cares, because Jay lies, right? I think that they held this over his head all along the way. I think Kevin Urich was involved early, earlier than we even know, and this abortion of a case was passed on to him, and then he proceeded to take it from there. He polished the story even more to make it fit his narrative that he wanted to present at trial. As he and Murphy were preparing for this lynching, Yurik sets Jay up with his buddy Anna Benroya. And I don't think that it was as simple as he needed an attorney before he was charged and Yurik handpicked one that would play ball. I think it was more than that. I think Benaroya was the attorney that would play ball, but I think Jay was told she's going to be your counsel at the trial. You can't go to trial without an attorney, and we can't risk some public defender coming in and helping you out here. I think Benaroya played herself as the sweet lady working pro bono to be Jay's advocate, but all she did was put another nail in the coffin. Adnan goes to trial. Jay gives the version of events that he was told to give. At closing, Yurik piles on by throwing Jay under the bus again, telling the jury that I know this nitwit over here can't keep his story straight, but there's enough consistencies that corroborate with the cell phone evidence that we know we can convict. Adnan's attorney wasn't playing with a full deck, and Yurik was able to convince the jury to convict Adnan. After the trial, I think that the emotion that we heard from Jay at his sentencing was real. I don't think the tears were fake, and I don't think the remorse was fake and I don't think that his statement was made up. I believe that when Jay stated through his tears that he regrets his involvement, and he feels so terrible, and he's sorry for his part in this, I believe that emotion was real. But I don't believe it had anything to do with Heyman Lee. I think it had to do with the fact that he had just sent an innocent man to prison. His friend. Sleeping dogs lie for 15 years, until one day Sarah Koenig knocks on his door. I believe that after all these years, Yurik and Benroya resurfaced. Remember, Sarah had tried to reach out to Yurik on multiple occasions. I'm sure at the beginning they had no idea that it would be a blockbuster podcast with millions of listeners. But I'm also sure that after they got the call, Jay got a call. Probably from Ann Benroya, his advocate, his attorney, telling him not to speak to Koenig, not to do an interview. Maybe he heard from Yurik too, reminding him of what they had on him, telling him that if he doesn't keep quiet, they could just as easily turn this around on him and make him the murderer. In December of last year, he was thrown out to the wolves again. I think Yurik and Benroya were closely following Serial. I think they were reading the blogs. They were watching the interviews with Rabia and Susan Simpson. They knew evidence was unfolding, and they had to get out ahead of it. So they go back to their sheep for slaughter. Benaroya contacts the Intercept, arranges the interviews with Jay and with Yurik. They give Jay a new narrative and force him into giving this information in his interview. Have any of you ever wondered why the Intercept? Why this so-called journalist was the one who gets the exclusive interview when everyone wanted to talk to Jay? Had any of you ever heard of the Intercept before that interview? They needed an organization they would jump at the chance to get some notoriety. They would follow their rules so that they could have the big interview. They needed someone that wouldn't question the changes, that wouldn't push, 
they would just let him speak. They give Jay his narrative, and he spits it just the way they told him to. Most notably, he changes the burial time to fit the lividity evidence. But go back and read that interview again. I can guarantee you there's not one word that was spoken in that interview that didn't have purpose. There was a reason Benaroya had him say every word that he said in that interview. After the interview, Yurik steps into the hot seat and once again throws Jay under the proverbial bus. Jay recited the script that he gave him, and then he goes on the record talking about what an idiot Jay is. Criminals lie. That's not uncommon. Sure, Jay's not trustworthy, but there are consistencies in what he's testified to. The key points are there. He's just too dumb to remember the details. Once again, Yurik sets him up and knocks him down, and Jay has no choice but to keep playing ball. And now millions of people around the world hate Jay Wilds. He's the liar. He's the snitch. Even people that believe that Adnan is guilty still believe that Jay is a liar and a snitch. How could they not? You can't tell seven different stories and not be a liar. Six of those aren't true. But if you consider the fact that it's possible that in every one of those statements, he was forced to say it by the corrupt detectives, by the corrupt prosecutor, by the corrupt defense attorney, all driven from a system that cares about nothing but image. I'm no longer one of those people that hate Jay Wilds. I no longer believe that he's that liar and that snitch. Jay is just another victim of a broken system, and it's high time that we tear that system down. For the next several weeks on the Serial Dynasty, we're going to explore all of the suspects in the case. We've spent 15 weeks exploring Adnan as a suspect. He's been ruled out, so it's time to shine some light on the rest of them. Week by week, we're going to walk through the suspects, one per episode. So if after this you're still interested in being a soldier in the Serial Dynasty Army, I need you to start doing some homework. Next week, we'll be discussing Roy Davis. So in the next three or four days, I want you to dig up as much information as you can, any evidence, any information on Roy Davis, and email it to me at theories at SerialDynasty.com. The only way that we're going to get to the top of this mountain is to keep putting one foot in front of the other and taking it one step at a time. Thanks to Johnny Rose of Slightly Subversive Music for creating all of the music for the show. Thank you to Tate Krupa for designing our logo. Thank you to Jill at Pod Transcription for creating our transcripts. A special thanks to Sean T and Sean T Fitness for funding the program. And thanks to all of you for getting behind this movement and helping me and the Undisclosed team to continue working to tear down this broken system. If you'd like to get in touch with me, you can always email me or send me a tweet at Serial Dynasty. The podcast also has a page on Facebook. And until next week, this has been the Serial Dynasty. Serial Dynasty.